Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more programmes, visit brumradio.com. Imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. You are listening to Geeky Brummy. Hello, and welcome to the Geeky Brummy podcast. Use your host, me, Mr. Ryan Parrish. Hello, Philip Ellis. Hello. Hello, Mr. Keith Bloomfield. Watch that. Hello, Mr. Callan Danes. Hi. And returning his grumpiness, Mr. Guy Halford. Thanks. I've been told... It wasn't the same without me. Yeah, it That's was better. Not, not, <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily a compliment. <laughs> How are we all this fine Saturday morning? Keith, what have you been up to? <laughs> I've noticed your Facebook seems to be full of grumpy posts at oh, the end yeah, of every I day. Had, uh, yeah, I had, very, I had a very unpleasant week this week. Full of frustrations that, um, strangely enough, I didn't take to uh, social media to really let fly. But, um, you, you were posting those cryptic statuses that everybody hates. You wanted one of us to say, you okay, hun? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't want to talk about it afterwards. Really, actually. <laughs> this, this is one he of the, did, he did. <laughs> this is one of the great misconceptions of, of how I use social media. A lot of people do use it for that reason. I do it to just bring my stress levels down. I don't really care if anybody sees or says hello or whatever it is. Because if they do say, are you all right? It's like, what am I going to say to that? No. Like, and your mom? Uh, no. Yeah. So I kind of yeah. It's nice that people have concern, but I don't do it for attention because that's otherwise I'd put pictures of myself pretending that I'm on holiday in France or something on in, on online. For me, social or, or, media or, is just about or of your pants releasing. In the mirror. <laughs> like, <laughs> when did this become about me? <laughs> so yeah. what? So yeah, so I was just I was just uh, many 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 frustrations together in too much of an order. Any highlights? Uh, highlights, highlights. Oh yeah, I won a, a competition on Instagram to uh, get some artwork by an artist called Anatronics, who you may know did the David Bowie. Yes. Uh, just by the kind of um, Debenhams. Oh, the, the yeah. Oh, cool. So it's a little kind of um, plaque with uh, some ge- geodesic foxes on it. It's pretty cool. Talking. Uh, so I won that. That was cool. That was nice. Talking of Instagram, where's Chili the Bottle gone? He's having a break. He's having a break. Also, it's really heavy and looking it around and taking photos of it. All these social media cobblers, it just takes so much time. That's but a drink point water we from get it. any pictures with Chili the Bottle last weekend. No. That's no. because he didn't. That's because he didn't it's want. because Keith has finally re- re- realised it's a useless item that weighs too much. No, it's a useful oh, item. It's a useful item to carry around to drink water from. And attack bandits on the and, street. Yeah, to smack people around the head with. I mean, it's better than pepper spray. You, know, you, you could really brain someone with yeah. that. I mean, what have you been doing instead? Have you been drinking from the taps and the toilets or what? No, I still drink have from the bottle. You've been like bottle. a cat, just like. <laughs> I still drink from the bottle. What I don't do is then spend 20 minutes trying to compose a photograph with chili in it. And also, most things aren't photographable. Yeah. You know, it's like there's only so many times you can take pictures of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And then you run out of places to do it. So I need something exciting to happen to me. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? We, we have uh, men at work. We've got fans. <laughs> <laughs> Not live. 
five pound an autograph. Uh, yeah, if you want photos as well. Keep his, uh, keep his just chatting up. The, uh, right now. Yes. So, we, okay, we're not going to. So we can't go outside because there's a ladder outside. Although, no, if you want to film it. Hang on, are we trapped? All trapped in the studio together. We'll you are such a flirt. Okay. Hey, <laughs> you know. we do, we've got a guest turning up soon. How's he going to get in? We'll have to just stick the mic through the window. Through <laughs> the window? <laughs> That'd be so get those get those guys to interview him and they're all allowed to show. Yeah. See, what I do admire, though, is people who can wear a high-vis vest and a, high, and a hard hat. So oh, no, ironically. Look like a, I look like an absolute numbskull if I wear those things. Well, I you don't. I do. <laughs> You're giving guys some YMCA fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> By my own admission, I have a weird shaped head, and sticking a hard hat on top of it does not help. <laughs> Moving on, Phil, what have you been up to this week? Um, I so okay. So there's two two things happened this week. One, I coined an ingenious new piece of slang, and two. Um, I did my first ever reporting someone to Twitter for harassment. Ooh. So which, which we which want Donald first? Trump? <laughs> Go for the slang. Slang first. Slang, slang first. first. What's your okay. new slang word? So it was basically, it came out of a situation where, um, oh no, no, it's fine. He won't listen. So we're on a date on Monday <laughs> and, um, it didn't go like great. But the guy didn't seem to be aware that it didn't go great. Because this is the thing. When I'm phoning it in, I'm just naturally too nice and charming. And so people think that I'm really into it. When actually, <laughs> mentally, I was super checked out. The minute he said, oh, I just thought Black Panther was like too political. I was like, you and me are not going to get on, sir. Did you do the then entire he was like, just, yeah, yeah, whilst holding your phone? Checking well, no, Twitter. The thing is, like, I was, I was checked out of it, but I, I didn't want, I, I'm, I'm still not going to be rude. So I just sort of, I stopped like being genuinely into it and I just sort of like I go into like polite mode you were faking it but yeah I was faking <laughs> it but he was he didn't quite realise that me, me being fake nice and me being like real nice are different um, so anyway I, I, I we're still trying to work that out as well <laughs> so so, so um, basically like the, the, the day ended like that was all fine and the next day he was like still texting me and I was like well okay like, I'll, I'll reply like but only like one word answers hoping he'll get the message I hope you said K <laughs> I think I, I think at one point I was like, fine, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so fine um, is the ultimate. You're in the yeah. you're in trouble. Word and um, and then that was on WhatsApp, and then like he popped up on iMessage as if I was going to answer on that when I hadn't been a- block. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, okay. At this point, all right, this, this is on you now, mate. Um, and so I was chatting to my friends about it, and I was like, I'm not ghosting him because I haven't stopped talking to him, but I'm I, I would describe myself as more of a zombie. So it's like I'm I'm sort of making just enough noise and like showing just enough signs of life that I'm not like I haven't fully crossed over. But. And it's so and so it's it's really up to him to either to get bored and move on or to just really get the hint. And yeah. so um, I'm in, I'm 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 I've pitched this to Elle magazine as the new cultural phenomenon because everyone I know has done this. Zombie Let's not pretend someone. we haven't. So it's the zombie. Guy does it to every single person he ever meets. <laughs> Mr. K. Well, no, I just did that to Mike Street Preachers fans. We've established that. And they it's a very it. unique brand guideline of his. <laughs> Guy, what have you been up to? Oh, sorry. Wait, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yes. Back up, back up, back up. Oh, um, finish him off. Come on. <laughs> 
And then the, the second thing was, um, yeah, I did my first ever blocking and reporting someone on Twitter. Um, so yesterday I made the mistake. It was, my, it was on me. It was my fault. I made the mistake of replying to an alt-right blogger. Because oh. I was just like, this will not stand. I can't. This, I, I have to say something. Um, and then immediately regretted it. Deleted it. But at that point, she'd already, like, taken screen grabs. And she was like, yeah, the internet's forever, mate. And, like, sent her cronies, sent her flying monkeys into my mentions <laughs> and basically made Twitter unusable for half the afternoon because people were just like still like atting me and I was just like, it was so stressful. You didn't say something bad about the Mannix, did you? No. No. I, know, but, I feel your pain. But I turns out you don't really need to say a lot to get a load of crazy right-wing white supremacists angry. So can I ask what you did say to, that got this woman so enraged that she well, sent the, her... So first of all, it was... Um, yeah, okay, I'm going to say it. It was Lauren Southern. She's the worst. Um, she she was almost denied entry to the UK um, because basically she, her, her whole job is spreading hate. Um, she set up a sign in like a really... Uh, in an area in London that has like a very, very large Muslim uh, community. And it was a big sign saying, Allah is gay. And basically the point she was trying to make was, oh yeah, like Muslims hate gays. And so like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually like on the side of them. Um, and I was just like, oh yeah, like crazy right-wingers just love using like, you know, any kind of minority they can. And when it suits them and when they remember, they can use us to sort of bolster their Islamophobia. And she just wasn't a fan of that, so. Canadian internet personality is a description. <laughs> Which to me says, why is she Canadian? Because that's blatantly not what the normal Canadian oh. values. They're usually polite. She is, she is abhorrent, yeah. Yes. Oh, here we go. I think if you scroll, if you, if you scroll down, if you yeah, scroll no, down I her feed, if you scroll down her feed, she she did like three oh, tweets she did. at me. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was just going to be the one, but she does. Yeah. No, she, she, she came for me, yeah. Just go up. If you just, I mean, it's a good job. There's the whole bit. We can't read it out, but there's the whole. I think so. Exchange. Okay, I just want to find out who it is so I can block and report them as well. Thank you. <laughs> I love doing that. I love blocking and reporting people. That's what it's, so yeah, it's just ice. It's yep. been a week of highs and lows. Oh, I did my reporting this week, but we won't go into that. But I, I participated in getting a Facebook page closed down. <gasps> oh, yes. Yes, and good for you. Yes. Good for you, yes. It's, it, it's, it's, it is like... Um, Dracula, though, yeah. like you, or, or, or I don't know, some kind of mythical monster with many heads, and you stamp down one, and then like two more rise up in its yeah. place. And it's it just... is like a Hydra. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Which is pretty ap- appropriate for that group. Oh yeah, yeah. Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Guy, what have you been up to while you've been away? Well, I ain't been here, so uh, I've done lots of stuff. I moved out, got a new house, got new jobs. So that's all good. Well, that's boring stuff. Although, like, isn't unpacking the biggest chore in the world? Uh, can we t- can packing we t- is the biggest chore in the world. Unpacking is slightly less, slightly yeah, better. Can we talk about the most important thing here? You've moved in now, but you haven't thrown a house party. Because I'm unpacked, yeah. What makes you think you're coming anyway? You don't have, you don't have to wait for us. You don't have to wait to unpack. You just throw the house party. What makes? And you... then it doesn't matter that it's a mess because you've got to clean it up Because everything's anyway. still protected. Yeah. What makes you think out of the people in this room you're at the top of the list? I mean, you already said I was invited. You already said we were all invited. Yeah, it's called a pity invite, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> Who said I actually wants to turn up? I was asking what behalf of the grenades. So we all just need to figure out what fake nice and real nice are. This is the message I'm getting. <laughs> I just wanted to send a bunch of fans to your address, just to like. So I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm oh, thinking. God, fans. <laughs> oh yeah, but he's the biggest player in the world. <laughs> I'm thinking Keith is a living room party. 
Phyllis dining room party, Callan his kitchen party. Mm. Yeah. And also, mm. what's good is the area I live in now, like, Phil, if, like, you can't get back into your flat, plenty of students for you to stop with, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find that Phil prefers halls of residence. <laughs> I I'm just gonna drink my coffee and let you get on with this. I'm not engaging. But you also went ghost hunting. I did go ghost hunting. Um, and it was um, a magnificent experience, to say the least. So it was it was verging on the most haunted. And then when we went, it was a, a pub. And I did was your vet there. fielding just pop out of a corner? <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for Derek the chorus pub. So then my sister bought me this uh, as a Christmas gift. Uh, I wasn't sure why. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll go along with it. So it was a pub in Abergavenny in Scotland. It's, uh, Wales. In Scotland? I oh, know, yeah, in Scotland. Yeah. Wow. No, it was in Wales. That's a really bad geography. Um, and then we get into this little room and they're like, yeah, no, this is not like most haunted because they edit those shows. Oh, yeah, of course they edit it because it's got to be an hour of a TV. Let's, uh, yeah, let's be sensible here. <laughs> They're not going to put full 12 hours of Yvette Fielding looking at a spoon in the corner of the room. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, they, did get, they gave us no backstories about the house or the ghosts whatsoever. So it's like, we don't know what, what's going to kick up. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? It could be like the ghost of like Callum Dane, for example. Like what age group are we dealing with here? Oh, you know? mean his Tinder profile? <laughs> <laughs> And um, anyway, so big group of us, 19 odd people, go into the first room and like to turn the lights off. And they're like, all oh, things might happen. They have, like guy counters and things like that. Anyway, she put, starts pulling all this equipment out. And on the, on the bag of the equipment is a Ghostbuster sticker. And I already know this is, this is going to be like, what, you know, what's going on here? Anyway, people in there like, oh yeah, I can feel something on my face. I can feel a prick on the back of my leg. It's, like, it's, it's called an itch. <laughs> to be honest with you. And then there's this one girl who goes, oh my god, I can see something flashing ceiling. And there's someone turn around and went, yeah, it's smoke alarm. <laughs> like, what a clown. So anyway, we have to go do various activities. Nothing's really happened. And we have to do this one where we put our fingers on a table. And the table's like slightly moving. That's because everybody moves the table. And it's funny, mm. yeah, something's moving. This just sounds like a sort of uh, secondary school sleepover. <laughs> it basically was. Um, Did they have a tuck shop? <laughs> no, but they provided free tea and coffee and biscuits, which I definitely made sure I got my money's worth there. Um, oh, I don't know. I did nothing, nothing really happened. Uh, people were just like, oh my God, there's something on me. I can feel something. It's like, I can't feel anything. I can feel a cold breath. It's like guy breathing on people. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it, it, this woman, I was, you had to stand in a circle and hold hands. I was holding hands with some woman. She's like, I've got to move from this spot because uh, something's touching the back of me. It's kind of like, all right, just tell me a smell or something like that. I, I do like the fact he described it as the, mo- like, as the most British way of ghost hunting. It's like, oh, there's a ghost. But it's time for tea and biscuits, so we'll come back to that later. <laughs> I think they're annoyed. Can't stop, can't stop, you know. We're yeah, but then, you know, guy's going to have a mouthful of jammy dodgers and just going, no. <laughs> I think the thing that annoyed me the most was, that there was there was your traditional, I've got a story to tell, girl, and you're all going to believe it, but it's absolute crap, basically. So she was like, oh, we did a Ouija board, and it was spinning around really, really fast. Like, that didn't happen. Your lie didn't happen. Every, everyone, it's, it's what I call, like, every local, every area man has that story of, oh, yeah, we were, like, we were, like, sitting out in the park overnight, and, like, yeah, like, we had the Ouija board, and it was just, like, spinning around and around. It's like, Mark, it didn't happen. Yeah. It's the topper. You always have to have any group of people there is one yeah. person called a topper which is anybody tells their story and they go yeah but 
my dad's mates with Sly Stallone. And yeah. you'd <laughs> always know there's one person at school who's like, yeah, my dad's good friends with Sly Stallone, but you can't meet him because he's too busy. Yeah. Aren't those Ouija board spinning around stories missing the fact that they had like, I'd had a bottle and a half of tequila beforehand. I'm thinking the grand scheme of it. I'll put it on the record player and it started spinning. I don't know why. I mean, to sum it up in the grand scheme of it, if I was a spirit and I was haunting that pub, I would be so vexed if the only activities I was being asked to do would be push over a table to move a glass or to move a Ouija board. It's like, let's do something interesting. Come on, I'll come out if you do something interesting. Maybe it's a minimum wage ghost. You know, it's only being being paid like, like, you know, two shekels an hour, and think I ain't doing anything special. I'm just going to push over a cup, bathing biscuits. <laughs> you are not going to get like Mary Queen of Scots at an event like that. It's, no. it's like it's like it's in Wales. You'll get a milkmaid or a couple of sheep or something. Another thing though, like why is it always like oldie timey ghosts? Where's the ghost of the person that's just like you know singing along like hit me baby one more time in their like von Dutch cap and like high thong? You know, people die all the time. When we were, when we were pushing this was this was the cherry on top really we're classic me moment we were pushing the table along and they told us the name of the ghost in that room and the, the name of the ghost was Fanny and obviously <laughs> I was supposed to and there's a group of girls there, come on Fanny and it's kind of like please stop shouting that it's kind of like that's <laughs> Yeah, have not said Francis. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a full Christian name. Was there a different ghost in every room? Apparently so, yeah. <laughs> it's like, this house is just like the best ghost house ever. And now we're going into... Uh, Fanny's room. Fanny's <laughs> I, do, I do recommend that we do it as a group, because I do think genuinely you'll probably be terrified. Was Fanny's we room... I'm going to go, I'm gonna oh, go yeah, for it. Ghosts don't scare me, though. <laughs> no, ghosts are content for Phil. You'd get an article yeah. out the back of it. <laughs> you can you can delete this bit if you want, but obviously I've got to ask guy if if there was if there was a ghost called Fanny, was there a ghost in another room called Dick? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Wasn't that a Derek Accor most wanted special? When I he's oh, now I'm now convinced that Derek Accor is a ghost himself. <laughs> Derek Accor knew a good screw when he was coming along. He made bank off that yeah. series. I mean. I think the whole event is summed up by the fact there was a Ghostbuster stick on a bag. What's that telling us, really? <laughs> I, I got no Egan and Spangler, so... Oh, we get it, we get it. You don't like the female Ghostbusters. Not the original, whatever. <laughs> I like God, you like the Ghostbusters. <laughs> I would have been happy if Nathan Lewis McCarthy If there's something up. strange in your neighbourhood, call oh, Fanny. Oh, my God, mate. <laughs> doing that would have been incredible. Callum, what have you been up to? Uh, pretty much. Two. Huh? It's <laughs> end two. Yeah. Um... Falling off my bike, having to go to hospital. <laughs> oh, you didn't go God. to hospital. You went to the walking centre whilst whilst walk messaging the group of what do hospital. I do? Walking hospital. It's we a walking centre. Play cent- by play, how it happened. Right, first me and Keith admonished him for five minutes about not wearing his helmet. Didn't we, Keith? It's so cute so how like safety helmet. You are the dads. <laughs> But it was literally like we had just finished recording. Was it last week or the week before? Yeah, like a week before. And yeah. um, it was like five minutes later on the group chat, like, yeah, oh, this happened. Oh, <laughs> guys, <laughs> we, we cannot leave you alone. No, no oh, adult supervision. <laughs> it was like adult supervision. But then the best I thing was. Adult, I need an adult. The best thing was you took a picture of it, sent it to the group chat, and go, do I think I need to go to hospital? But this Does this look serious? I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like. I, I opened that while I was walking around and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, oh, it was a very <laughs> ugly big graze. But you tell the story, Helen. I mean, it's just like, because I, I was just going along and I was like, I sort of, 
think I, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was thinking of something else. I think I was thinking of the show, like you planning something about out. How many girls love you? I was thinking over and swooned at him. I was thinking about all the girls that I was just going to go and see afterwards. It, actually, like, had, had you lost sight of water, or were you confused? Was <laughs> <laughs> it like a defining rod, and your bike just started shaking, trying to find the nearest bottle of water? <laughs> I don't even know how it happened because I just felt my wheel you know when you feel the wheel go and I was like crap and it started to play in slow motion I'm just like crap I'm going to fall off here falling 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 hit the ground was it like you were falling through space and time as it happened I love it you're like where do I need to go and we said we'll go to the walk-in centre first and I'll tell you if you need to go to a hospital how do I get there it's in I the city your bike. <laughs> it was in the city centre like get the bus Did, um, oh I'll walk you know because I didn't where know were, how to get there where were you when you fell um, literally oh, were you, was it, did you laugh or did you, did you sort of I, do that thing that babies do where they pause for a second <laughs> I, I mean I, I was, think it was like the family guy bit where he was just like sitting on the floor <laughs> ah, did anybody see and laugh at you no nobody saw ah. no um, I was the uh, the most irritating thing is obviously where the studio is. The studio is not that far away from the walking yeah. clinic. Can I say that on it? I can yes. say that, can't I? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I would. I have to go through Bordersley. So I'd go all the way to Bordersley on my bike. For, for Birmingham viewers, that's Bordersley. Bordersley. <laughs> <laughs> Bordersley. It's, a, it's, it's the expansion of the old bookstore that you used yes. to get. <laughs> oh, I miss Borders. <laughs> Borders, no, it's, no, it's just Jamie's Italian. Right? Don't say the word borders because it'll summon Dave Massey from where he is to tell us about oh, what he, he used to work in a bookshop. I'm sure I've heard him mention that. <laughs> I'll tell you about when I used to work in a bookshop. So, how long were we in the walk-in centre for? An hour. That's it's actually really good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's not. Really, that's that, an hour. No, that's no, awesome that's for really that. I have sat in that. I have sat in that walk-in centre. On a bank holiday Monday for six hours before I, I saw someone. I was, you just go in saying you had a bad hangover. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to say. I require me. medical attention and someone to tell me I'm going to be okay. I, I was so miffed though because it was like half an hour getting there, hour in the centre, half an hour to get back home. It's like two hours wasted. Yeah, but at least you like, didn't get sepsis. Mm. Well, yes. yes. Yeah, but do you know what, Cal? It's your fault for not wearing this. Well, no, because it was my elbow. It was my elbow. Well, you need to wear some uh, elbow pads like you're some skater boy. <laughs> you need to wear those, like, yeah, like the sort of the, the weird biking gear that those um, Nancys in the late, later season of The Walking Dead have where they're on their yeah. horses in the kingdom. Should I just go out in a full, like, motorbike gear and then I'm just, like, perfectly protected? Roller derby. No, because you're like a right burke. <laughs> anyway, wear your helmet. This is yes. a lesson that you've learned. Wear well, helmets, Joe. He, he has worn his helmet today. Yes. So a lesson has been learned, which is yes. good to, to I do wear my helmet all the time now. So don't forget, clunk, click every trip, wear your helmet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this message is brought to you by Geeky Brummy. The more you know. <laughs> the, the, more you know the more you're going to adapt to life better. Jesus Christ. The more he needs to know. I just feel like we're constantly like imparting knowledge. Yeah. Be geek safe, did everybody. You, did you fly I come over here? The, I come here to learn every week. Did you fly over the handlebars? That's always a good form. No, I didn't. I fell sideways. I felt like That's left. Pathetic. But it just. Was was the bike okay? <laughs> sort of. Yeah. I mean, the front brake was a bit dodgy, but I fixed it. So that's fine. The bike survived. I just about survived. Yeah, look, you know, look pretty life-prone in. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? How was your week this week? I've had a 
couple of days off, actually. So I took Monday off from work and just recovered from MCM by staying in bed most of the day. Because you don't realise how much walking you do at a convention until the day afterwards. Oh, I, I hate any time I have to use my body, and then I don't realise until the next day, like... <laughs> <laughs> Did you just think about what you said then? <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like every now and then I'll be like, oh, I, I know I'm good, I'm going to go for a run, or a walk, or yeah. whatever, or a hike. And then the next, you're, you're, oh my god, this is amazing! I should do this all the time. And then the next morning, you're like, why can I not move my limbs? Yeah. I imagine you had to put a lot of walking in because you had to look after Callan Danes and Dave Massey all day. That's like having two puppies on leads, oh, no. pulling you in opposite direction. <laughs> but I've also had two days off later on this week. So, and I went for a house feeding this morning, and it was quite a curious thing because me and Viv pulled up in our lovely little Suzuki Swift and got out of the car ready to get into the house feeding, and Minnie pulls up the other side of the road. White guy with a beard and a Chinese got Chinese woman gets out of the car and we both look at wow. each other. <laughs> Is it like that scene in Shaun of the Dead? Yes. Where they sort of encountered the mirror group. <laughs> but then we both started walking down the road at the same space. Was it it's like that scene in the movie about the twins where Bette Midler isn't sure she's looking in the mirror or at yeah. herself? <laughs> so so we walk down the road, we get to the, the house. Then we both look at each other, and then the front door opens, and then we both go inside together. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you not think to maybe maybe spark up casual conversation with these people no. when you realise you're yeah. both walking no, down the street they, together? Because they, they break the time space continuum. So. <laughs> you don't talk to other people when you're viewing a house because and, you're oh, no, viewing. That's a no, no. Yeah, that, you're there to view it up. And I'm sure I read somewhere that if you see your doppelganger, it's a sign you're going to die. Yeah, pretty much. Like that's canon now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get rid of it by Callan Dane, so he's blocking the way out. More weirdly, the uh, estate agent went upstairs with the other couple. Door knocked. <gasps> was it another? Was it another? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a dad, but it was a dad with a half Chinese child, and his wife couldn't come with him. So it's kind of like, is there something about this house where mixed race couples just really wow. want this house? Well, maybe it's just in a very you know like metropolitan tolerant area. Yeah, it was just really weird. It was just the way that we just both got out of the car and it was like, it, it, if it was filmed, I'm sure people would have like said this was staged. <laughs> Weird news. And we have a super special guest today. Hello, welcome, Mr. Lee Kim. Hi. Hello. How are you? Me. I'm good, yes. thank you. Yeah. Superstar director. Uh, founder of A Million Films. Yes, that's me. So, brilliant local um, production company, adverts, TV, etc. Yeah, all of yeah. that stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, films largely. Mm-hmm. But Guy, before we go into weird news, you have something to tell us. Sad, Ryan. Why are you sad? Toys R Us closing. <sighs> I've, I've been looking up because I've been looking on Twitter. Like they're looking for the sale because I'm thinking, yeah, cheap Lego. This is great, but it's closing, and this is sad. Like it's an event going to Toys R Us. You know, it's a it's a big it's a big deal, and we're not going to have it anymore. And that's sad. I'm not going to have Phil, you're looking at me like, what? <laughs> but it's sad. I, I, rela- I do relate to you. I do appreciate this. It's good that you... It's That's because you still go every week. <laughs> <laughs> it's because your parents still take you there for Christmas. <laughs> not going to lie, there is one right near my supermarket. And so if I'm really bored of doing food shopping, I'll go in there beforehand as like a treat. For do you want, you want your mum and dad shopping. let you go off on your own? <laughs> You can have one toy if you're really good. I'm just having this image of Callan driving around in those, one of those miniature cars around Toys R Us. <laughs> you could probably fall out of it. 
But yes, Maplin as well. Maplin is a great place. Oh no, I don't care about Maplin. No, no, Maplin's amazing. Maplin is amazing for when you're really, really bored and you just want somewhere to go and chill for half an hour because it's got the most random selection of stuff. Maplin's just, oh, you don't have, like, basically, it's for disorganised people who didn't want to order something online for half the price, Mm. and they need it there and then, like, when you guys sent me there in the middle of a (laughs) thunderstorm, (laughs) because you needed a special plug cable thingy, and I I, I got got it, and then you were, and then you texted me, you're like, oh, no, no, it's it's not that size, it's this size we need, so I had to go back in and get the lady to help (laughs) me. When did this happen? (laughs) This was like not another Comic Con last, last year. year. Yeah. Can I point out that I'm glad it's not just me that does this and suddenly needs to get equipment last minute and needs to send someone to a shop it, the night before. It was the largest contribution tools ever given to the show. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I've just been bodied. <laughs> shall I? Shall I leave? <laughs> <laughs> 40% off at the minute. Get some deals. It, I, I agree, though. It's a, it's a rip-off. Like, if you need a USB cable, yeah, you can get it for 99p on eBay, but from there it's like, oh, you need this one with gold plating on it. It stretches from all around your house. And it's only like 14 99 but it's the best one you can get. And it's like, why? But anyway, Toys R Us, that's sad. Toys R Us and Maplin are both sad. No, just Toys R Us can't. <laughs> Like, but they're usually pretty much near each other on the trading estate as well. So there's going to be one corner where blokes are just going to turn up and go, oh, I'm going to have to get to Curry's. Oh! Curry's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's all that's going to be left. Am I the only one that finds just like the entire practice of going to a shop deeply depressing? Yeah. Am I the only person who actually likes shopping in physical shops and doesn't like shopping online? Yeah. yeah. That's because you're not old enough to have a credit card. <laughs> But this, this, my my wife is a fanatic about TK Maxx, as we've talked about many times. And about twenty minutes, I'm done in that shop. I, I am done. I have to, um, I have to have like an hour of meditation before I go in. But oh my gosh, when I'm in there, like, yeah, it, it, oh. it, it, it's, oh. it's a corporatized jumbo sale, jumble sale. That's what TK Maxx is. That sounds more like Hollister. That's a corporatized. Jumble cell, but in the dark. <laughs> in, the, in the dark, and people aren't wearing shirts for some reason. It's a yeah. sensory experience where you Why have to touch it? and feel your way around with the clothes. Why is it in the dark? I think it's because, mo- well, I, I was just going to say something actually very rude. No, never, never, never mind. Never mind. Yeah, I was, was going to say something about, about men in Hollister shirts and, and dark rooms, but I think we can all just get there on our own. Um, I like Hollister. <laughs> Can I just admit at the moment, I have no idea what you're talking about. I think what it is with Hollister is people's night vision starts to fade when they get a little bit older, so they're keeping the younger audience by not letting, <laughs> not letting those... It's like, it's like Darwinistic retail. Yes. <laughs> what, what is Hollister? It's clothes for people who think they're better than what they are. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It's like It's like... One step down from Abercrombie and Fitch in the levels of it's like the same company, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. They, it's owned by the I same company. A couple but it's, of steps down. Yeah, it's it's it, their it, diffusion it's slightly, range. It's slightly I, uh, cheaper, but it's like the same sense of like oh, yeah. I'll tell you what it is. You. It's, it's shop at Primark. I shop at Hollister. It's like when you can't afford Abercrombie and Fitch, you go to Hollister. It's like when you can't afford yeah. the designer clothes, you get the designer sport equivalent. 
Yes, yeah. That's, See, Phil that's could write articles on this because Phil, what Phil does is finds a really nice, expensive designer version and then shops online. Oh my god! I was and this is why TK Maxx is good. So I was in House of Fraser and I saw this beautiful Hilfiger shirt for like hundred and twenty pounds, and I was like, "Shall I?" No, I like to eat, you know. <laughs> um, and then I was in TK Maxx and I found one for twenty five pounds that was nearly identical. Ooh. So instead of um, Hilfiger, it was from Penguin. But it had oh. the same bandana print. It was the same amazing blue. My eyes pop. My hair looks so good. You don't have no idea. Who you are. <laughs> I thought I thought you actually got real Tommy Hilfiger for twenty five pounds. I was like, mine oh, no, no, blown. No, no. Right. You, you, you can been, get Ralph and Hilfiger from TK Maxx for like fifty quid. I've been yeah. very disappointed in TK Maxx recently because they used to stock Converse everywhere. Always, uh, always the best place to go for Converse because you could find, Converse. especially if you have size elevens, yes. because that's like a rarer size. Yes. Yeah. And now they swap to Vans. And nobody wants Vans. I've got a pair of Vans on right now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Vans are slippers for ju- for adults. <laughs> Just because I can't tell my laces. Do we have a Hollister in Brum? Uh, Solly Hall. There's one, oh, it's it's one, one in the boring. Yeah, it's like on, that yeah, weird, right bri- the, on the bridgey thing. Yes. It's the big uh, sign, yeah. Wait, Guy, what Vans are you wearing? Are you wearing like the slipper Vans or are you wearing the cool Vans? He's wearing Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I am. <laughs> That pink and black checkerboard is just so... I'm sorry, checker, Early checkerboard, checkerboard vans are cool. I was going to say... Can All other vans aren't, but checkerboard vans are cool. I was going to say, he needs to watch what he's doing there, because he's a man wearing a Donny t-shirt. So, uh... I, 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 I am making Donny cool again. Style advice from the playground with again. Callum Dance. Again. again. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's like that... It's like that, um, that 90s sports trend of like everyone wearing like... Really ugly sports gear. Were you here in <laughs> Thank you. I was just going to say the same thing. Oh, but also, those oversized sport shirts are now back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Callan, do you know what Kappa is? Uh, yes. Fila? Yes. Elise? I like Fila. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm, I'm going to be putting my spliffy jeans and my NAFCO 65 jacket out the back no, of the wardrobe. No, no. <laughs> Wait, no, no. What's the, what's the lease? I don't know that one. I know uh, Kappa. Kappa's like that ugly one with the like the two things or whatever. Two people sitting back to back. Oh, the two people sitting back to back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what else? Umbro? Umbro's cool. A6? No, Umbro. I, know, I don't like A6. Umbro, Umbro and Fila are cool, though. Slazenger. <laughs> oh. right. I always felt sorry for the kids in Slazenger. Do you know what I Shirts. own in my house? Do you remember, like, I don't know what I bought it on eBay for about five. Do you remember the old football manager coats that you used to, people used to wear, like the Umbro ones and the Adidas ones? It's to wear the nicest. So no. I, I it's like, it, I remember Stuart Little having one of those, the, really? the, the Aston Villa manager, and it was like the <laughs> most. The mouse. Well, he was about the right size for this, because this coat was about 60 sizes too large for him. It just had this little pinhead topping out of a coat. <laughs> so I, I do genuinely own a Umbro football manager coat still. <laughs> But I, I'm, I'm not brave enough to wear it. So I wear a leopard print coat out of that. I'm not brave enough to wear this football manager <laughs> If the football manager coats are the ones I'm thinking of, they're quite cool, actually. Does I think it, the ones you see, like, um, those, like, chavs or roadmen, whatever let's, they want to be known as wearing. Let's not use the word chav, that's classist. Yeah. <laughs> Does it come with a free pack of Wrigley's chewing gum for you to chew whilst wandering around? Probably, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to dress like a football manager, dress like Jose Mourinho. That man knows how to wear a coat. It's it's become the thing now. Football managers wear either suits or terrible sports gear, and there's no in between. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you what would be in between? What like that? I, I, I don't know. A relaxed, a relaxed shirt oh, and no, jeans. They're, they're cool. The football manager coats are cool. Yeah. They were cool. 
Yes. They're still cool. You can listen to the fashion show. Fashion Brummy. To wrap fashion, this up, fashion Brummy coming soon. To wrap this up, I'm still reading from experience of returning to snobs and seeing a woman wearing double denim and a beret. Oh. I <laughs> refuse to believe that dub. Double denim is okay now. I am assured by my fashion writer friends that it is okay. I it was never think okay. It's just an elaborate troll. No, I, th- I, I, I think it's going to be like the nineties again, where we all look back in about ten years' time and go, "Why was I ever wearing that?" I think. Did you see the halo brows that are uh, doing the rounds on no. social media? That's the new makeup trend, where you basically you you draw a massive semicircle on your forehead to connect your eyebrows. Oh, what? 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 Gonna, that I'm, must I'm, be trolling. I'm, that must you, be trolling. Do, do you use a for that? I am going to Google this for you. That right is. Now, that must be is, trolling. And this is why trends are garbage. Um, Halo brow. Oh, we've all got to fall silent now. <laughs> it's the anticipation. Oh, oh my god! Right, right. No. It looks like the really basic Star Trek makeup for like, oh, we need an alien race, but we've only got that, like, that's we've, original got, series. we've got an eyeliner and ten minutes, what can <laughs> that, we do? That's original series level Star Trek okay, makeup, yeah. that's not even next gen. I'm not being funny, but in that second picture, it looks like she's drawn a certain yeah. object on her head. <laughs> that's not a good look for anybody. That's the sort of thing you do to somebody at a party for a laugh. It doesn't look like she's fallen asleep, doesn't it? And yeah. at, at a sleepover, and her friends are like, oh, let's get Heather. <laughs> I think this is time to finish Fashion Brummy and return back to Geeky Brummy with weird news. You've got balls written on your head. <laughs> right. Three news stories. We picked two, just so Lee's aware of how it works. So, um, first one from time.com. Matt Damon defends Ben Affleck's back tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the direction I expected that to go in. Second one. From OregonLive.com. Oregon's nine-dome Hobbit house built by a mime is being sold in bankruptcy court. <laughs> Could you repeat that? <laughs> Oregon's nine-dome Hobbit house built by a mime is being sold in bankruptcy court. Could you mind quicker? Could you mind that? No. <laughs> there is no way that can... Be... How do you mime a Hobbit home? Like... <laughs> um, exactly, like that, yeah. <laughs> that, yes. that, that was great for everyone who's listening to this podcast. Yes. Yes. And from CNET got on, sliced ketchup Kickstarter takes the chaos out of condiments. Uh, so, the, ugh, yeah, I mean, uh, that was, yeah. I so, saw that all over social media yesterday. So what are our votes, Callum? I mean, I want to go for the um, bankruptcy and the sliced ketchup, but mm-hmm. I have a feeling mm, I'm, I'm popular on that one. Well, I mean, the thing is, these headlines are all very much, the story is right there in that one line. So, I know, but we I always don't know about the back tattoo. Yeah, I really want to know about oh, that. Okay, okay. I've been loving the. Shall we start with the back tattoo? About this tattoo all week. Uh, I, I, so, what is the? What is so, so to give the backstory on the yeah. tattoo. Backstory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody picked up on that one. Uh, ben Affleck had a massive Phoenix tattoo on his back, where he said it was for a film. Lies. And there's pictures come out of this week with paparazzi with him on the beach and the tattoo still Looking there, like your dad on, yes. on you know. On that two-week all-inclusive. Yes. So, this is by Katie Lang. No. Keith, no. Hang on a minute. The Katie Lang. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. A constant craving, Katie Lang. <laughs> K-C-A-D-Y Lang. Right. But is Katie Lang? So Keith never believes any of these names and articles. He thinks they're all terribly made up. Go on. <laughs> 
Matt Damon is taking a stand for bestie Ben Affleck's right to tattoo his back, no matter how large or colourful the ink. But he's right to <laughs> tattoo his back. I'm sorry, I have been querying and pitching to editors of magazines all week, and this is in time. Yes. <clears throat> I'm mad. <laughs> I'm pressed about this. The infamous back tattoo, a colourful phoenix that takes up the majority of Affleck's back, made headlines when it was spotted in the summer of 2015 following his divorce from Jennifer Garner. In 2016, Affleck told Extra that ink was fake for a movie, but hype surrounding the massive tattoo resurged when the the actor was spotted last week training shirtless for his upcoming movie, Triple Frontier. (laughs) What do we think that's about? Triple Frontier? Yeah. A man with three frontiers. That's a weird name for a film. A triple frontier. Is it a sexual position? <laughs> it sounds like a dessert. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 like chocolate a, three ways. Yeah, I'll yeah. Have a triple frontier, please. Well, it's working as an advert. Uh, five friends reunite to take down a South American drug lord. <laughs> Again, I wouldn't. That would not have guessed that. <laughs> no, no, not from that title. No. It's a weird reason to reunite as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, meet up with friends where you're like, do you know what we should do? Like, it's not for a stag <laughs> night. It's not for a funeral. It's for uh, it's to take down a drug lord. Yeah. Is, is one of the friends a dog? You mean you don't meet up with your friends just to go and bust drug dealers and get them arrested? I do. I just don't travel for it. It's more of a home <laughs> thing for me. What, why are they out? Can we can we Google the plot of this film a bit more? Or who else is in it? Adria Aranja, Oscar who? Isaac, okay. Charlie Hunnam, yeah. Ben Affleck. Garrett Headland. Oh, Need Pe- some work since, since Tron's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Pedro Pascal. Oh, is he the guy... Is, is he Oberyn? Yeah. Yes. When's the release date? Do we have a release date? 2019. I feel like we're digressing from this now. Yes. So we can make we can make fun of it more when it comes out. That's but fine. it's now going to be a Netflix movie and Catherine Bigelow was attached but she's left. Oh, that's a big name for this. I mean, Oscar Isaac just needs a better agent. <laughs> Isn't just riffing off the whole Sicario stuff? Pretty much. But it sounds like a stag do gone wrong. It sounds like Sicario meets The Hangover. Yeah. No one needs that. This is like the most heterosexual film pitch I've ever heard. I think somebody at Netflix has a dartboard where they just spin around <laughs> random things and it goes, thunk friends, thunk bachelor party, thunk drug lord, and then just hand out the script to somebody to write. <laughs> is that helpful? That's in quite it? accurate. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, how do we spend this much money? I don't know. Here's a hundred million pounds, Mr. Adam Sandler, to make another film. Uh, <laughs> I won't hear a bad word about Egghead. Anyway, moving back on. In an interview with Trevor Noah on The Daily Show, Damon weighed in on Affleck's detective ink. It's not one man's job to tell another man what he can do with his back, he said. I support <laughs> him in all of his artistic inspre- expression. Damon's answer was more diplomatic than both of Affleck's exes, Jennifer Garner and Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Garner was candid in her thoughts on the very large tattoo in a 2016 Vanity Fair feature. She was so shady in that interview. It was amazing. She was like, oh, well, I guess I'm the ashes. Yes. You know what? Here we go. Here's the exact quote. You know what we would say in my hometown about that? Bless his heart. She said, a phoenix rising from the ashes. Am I the ashes in this scenario? I take umbrage. I refuse to be the ashes. Jennifer Lopez, the original Jennifer in Benifer, didn't mince her words either when it came to a critique of the tattoo in an episode of what watch what happens live uh with andy cohen yes it's awful what you're doing the actress also had it his tattoos will always have way too many colors they shouldn't be so colorful they should be cooler <laughs> do you want to see a picture of the back tattoo i love that i love that tattoo well then i dare you to get it <laughs> oh god oh wow that that's that's some impressive ink 
It's like he, it's, like, it's certainly a lot of ink. Yes. It's like he got like um, all the transfers from like the candy cane <laughs> packet. And just, like, <laughs> like, one on his back. I can draw a little bit if you are going to have one done. Oh my god, we need to get Carol on the back tattoo. <laughs> a live tattooing. Can you get Phil's like... face on your back? I feel Why like... do I want Phil's face on my back? Can I have someone nice's face? I think Callan's more of a, a tramp stamp kind of guy. Butterfly. <laughs> oh. it's, it's, it'll be like love, live, laugh uh, along his uh, spinal cord. Yeah. Surely it would be you can find me on Twitter at <laughs> No, it'll be where's the water I'm lost. <laughs> right, so that that's pretty much done with the Ben Affleck story, yeah. I think. Now. I mean, Everybody in the room, whose face would you have? Um, don't pick me. Why not you, Keith? I don't like my face being on. You've made yourself a target for saying don't pick me. But you have a beautiful face, so. No, he does have a very head. beautiful I face. I have an odd shaped head. What, what shape would you say your head is? Wrong. <laughs> See, now I want to get Keith's face just because it would irritate Keith. I'll draw it. <laughs> there are worse motivations to get a tattoo, to be honest. Yes. I mean, if I had to get someone's, at least that's a reason to. Anyway. You could get the Geeky Brimley logo, free advertising. Well, no, he said get someone's face tattoo. It's someone's face. And so I'm like... We've got the Geeky Brimley logo with our faces on it in the corner of the show. Okay. Picture. I might get my own face tattooed on me. We have to... <laughs> what, uh, I do mean to think that basically that article, which starts with Matt Damon defends Ben... Yes. He didn't seem to do an awful lot of defending in it. He was basically he's... just said he's got his right to tattoo himself how badly he ever wants to. That's not defending. That's, I, mean, that's I don't care. Matt Damon has been more vocal defending Ben Affleck's right to tattoo himself than he has about Me Too. I think that's why Matt Damon oh. keeps... Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's why Matt Damon keeps keeps getting lost in all of his films, is to get away from that tattoo. <laughs> I mean, he got lost in Saving Throat, right? He got lost in The Marsh, and he got lost in Interstellar. It's just to keep himself away from Ben Affleck. He's been like five movies lost as Jason Bourne. Mm-hmm. That man has made a career out of being lost. Yeah. And he wasn't even in Lost, the TV show. His agent missed out with that one. We're still going off topic here. Yes. Yeah, back to our two stories. Are we going with Slice Ketchup or The Hobbit House Built by a Mime? Hobbit House. Hobbit House. Lee? <laughs> Lee has already lost the world to live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously. Yes. So this yeah. is from Oregon Live. Janet Eastman. Is that enough of a normal name for you this week, Keith? It's still made up. <laughs> I don't know any real life Janets. I've never met a Janet, no. Anyone? I can only ever picture Janet as like an actress. As sort of no, I was gonna say in a lady of her like fifties and above. I can oh, never imagine like a young Janet. Janet. The only Janet you ever need to know is Janet from the good place. Oh, no, no. Janet Lee. The river was deep, but I swam. Or it. Janet. Oh Yes! Oh my goodness, I've forgotten about Janet. Alternatively, Janet Jackson. That well renowned. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, if you are a Janet, the rest of us love you. Yes. Uh, we like all names. Keep all names are good. Callan Danger's opinions are not associated with Geeky Ruby. I'm just saying I haven't met any. Yeah. yeah. It is an interesting name. It's a. Yeah. It's not like a Sue. Everybody it's, knows a Sue. It's. I don't know. Sue. Janet is like. A cheese sandwich without mayonnaise, kind of name. You know, it's like it, it'll. Who, it who has a cheese do. sandwich it's with mayonnaise? Do. Yeah, why, why, why wouldn't you? No, <laughs> cheese and mayonnaise is not a conversation. Grated oh. cheese, mayonnaise, onion, chives—like, come on. 
my point is, Gracie. it's like it's like a ninety nine p sandwich of a name from a supermarket. <laughs> Again, apologies to all Janet's listening. Have no mustard. Yeah, yeah. Shall we get back to the Hobbit House? No, that's Karen. <laughs> Oregon's nine dome Hobbit House, built by a mime, is being sold in bankruptcy court. Nine domes, some of which were were salvaged from a World War Two aircraft carrier, were linked together to form a well-known dome house in an 1850 carriageway in Westlin. In case you want to purchase, it's mm. archive photo from 2015. Visitors who used to come inside were surprised to see the house was not dark and gloomy, but filled with ambient light. There's a photo from Stephen Gridland, provided by Sedera Properties. The oh. house looks like boobs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes. The house does look like boobs. I'm sorry. It's like very, very pale, like white as white. Yes. It looks like the Eden Project. That's a good <laughs> point, actually, yeah. Yes. It's like a knockoff Eden Project. Long before an organic shape was a common architectural goal and reclaimed building materials were a priority, an actor, mime, and theatre set designer constructed a dome house in Westland that no one understood. Actor, mime. Yes. Are they not? They've... They're even the same thing or mutually exclusive. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> actor, mime, and theatre set designer. Theatre set designer lives on its own. That's perfectly fine. It kind of implies actor that he's, slash not, one. he's not good enough at any of these things to do it full time. <laughs> it it well, might be a polymath. Who can love an odd dome home that's been ridiculed as a perfect shelter for a Smurf, Hobbit, or Yoda? Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's just basically Googled domed houses <laughs> and anything that come up. A bargain hunter? Hang on. A Yoda. Yes. There's only one Yoda. It's yep. Not, not multiple Yodas. We never know. Is Yoda like the name of his species? No. And we just no. didn't realise. No. no. What is his species? Do we know the name of his species? Talking of Yoda, though, I saw an amazing t shirt today, which was the Beatles with. All you need is love, all you need is love, all you need is love. And they replaced the last picture with the Yoda saying love is all you need. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Did want to buy it. Come on, James, you call it dog. Why you look a bit like Yoda? <laughs> anyway, the 1.4 acre wooded property was on the market for $775,900 in 2016, but now it's been sold for a bankruptcy court at rock bottom price for $400,000. You said Bargain. you needed a new house. Yes. The 625 square foot master bedroom takes up a large part of the house. That's almost the same size as my apartment. Yeah, it's it's a huge house. Uh, da, 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 da. Yep, being sold by bankruptcy court. Then they give the price of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. This this article makes no sense. No, but I do want to own the place. I do like it. Where is yes. it again? In the swoopy living room, we play with laser pointers against the eighteen foot high ceiling. Says a former owner. I remember laying on the couch and feeling wonderful in that enormous space. You'd spend a lot of money heating it. Yes, the hemispherical living room is 30 feet wide and has a giant oculus skylight. Also, the well-known dwelling still once has its charm. What? what? Uh, right, now we get into weird things. Uh, original owner Francisco Reinders, a self-taught designer and builder who learned to mine with Marcel Marceau in Etienne Dient's De Cruz Mime Academy in Paris, France called the house organically sensuous with painted satires on the ceiling of the giant sauna of the 625 square foot master bedroom. Can I just circle back to Mime Academy? Yes. <laughs> coming from ITV very soon probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way we can get celebrities to shut up for an hour on TV. I 
Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm envisioning like some sort of like, like the ballet school from Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> I'm not sure about the satire work that's been depicted though. That's not something I'd have in my master bedroom. Put it that way. That's, that's horrifying. That's like shadows of Satan on the wall dancing around while you're yes. trying to sleep. You don't want shadows of Satan dancing around <laughs> while you're trying to sleep, Phil. No, that's more like to set the mood. You know, if I've got a guest over. Yes. I mean, it's a good talking point if you bring someone over and it's yeah. like, yeah, these do are you, just my demonic paintings. Do you like, do you like my, my evil mural? <laughs> a small dome off the living room houses the kitchen. The ceiling is blue to mimic the sky and everything is equidistant from the working centre. Which then shows a picture of the kitchen with a white ceiling. <laughs> and then... Uh, um, shredded editions of the Oregon, Oregonian newspaper treated with the fire retardant and chemical with the compressor were blown into the walls for heating purposes. This is just the There's weirdest... There's a house made of papier-mâché. <laughs> There's like 600 billion pictures of this house. Oh, and then a creepy picture of a mime, which everybody <laughs> needs in the house. So, okay, when I lived in Canada, I sublet my apartment from um, a man whose job was tutoring the children of the performers in Cirque du Soleil. And so he would go travelling with, with the productions while they were doing that. And um, so his, in this apartment, which was a mate, it was a beautiful condo. It was like so, so big. The bathroom was bigger than my kitchen and living room now. And in every single room, there was a giant picture of a clown. Just clown, clown Just imagery. Clown. It was like, My it was sister like... used to have one of those French clowns with the tear, but she had yeah. the porcelain doll version, so it had the porcelain head and the soft body. With, like, the rough and the pointy yes. hat. Piero, yeah. Yes, yeah, she like used that. to have that staring out from one of the cupboards in a room, and it scared the hell out of me when I was a little child. I, I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't sleep for the first, like, week that I lived there. Yes. Yeah. Definitely take your ghost hunting, then. <laughs> what to an ex-clown's house <laughs> clown hunting <laughs> let's go to Oregon and find this guy's house and do some ghost hunting inside the clown booby house but oh god yeah the thing is like, this is Oregon so like a mime living out in the woods is just like par for the course That's, it's like it's like yeah. hipster central isn't it oh so up with the final uh, final bit of wording on here our previous owner misses the idyllic se- uh, idyllic setting on a creek with windows and sliding glass doors that frame views of Douglas fir trees. He laments that he still doesn't have the beautiful hardwood kitchen counters, or blueberries and grapevines growing wild outside. He even longs for the nights when heavy rainfall would beat down on the uninsulated roof and sound like Brazilian rain sticks. Some... That took a time for the poetic. Someone's using their creative writing <laughs> I was going to say, that's somebody who really wants to go into creative writing as he's stuck writing for a local, art- local newspaper in Oregon. Yeah, that kind of took a turn for the dreamlike. Yes. I'm, I'm putting that house away now because I'm very scared of its contents. I mean, it'd be a nice house, minus the weird um, paintings everywhere. I think I have a new rule for myself. and I don't want to live anywhere where a mime has lived before. I just so don't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't but, ever So mimeist. But yeah. a mime would be a perfect housemate. You know the guarantee to be quiet. <laughs> no, because they would, they would, they would just like creep up on you. Like if they needed to say something to you, they couldn't yeah. talk. So it would just be like they're just there. I mean, I think maybe we're getting confused between a mime and a mute. But it feels like we're talking about an episode of Inside Number Nine here, where a mime. Moves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of that as a horror movie, sort of like living with a mime. There is a uh, short film, My Housemate Is a Ninja, uh, which is. Along the same sort of thing, he just kind of rocks up randomly, looks scary. 
actually quite good. I'll need to check that out. Welcome again, Lee. Hello, thanks for having me. Star Wars. I assume you're a slight fan. Uh, yes, just about. I think uh, <laughs> I, I've I've watched all of them several times. Cool. Repeatedly. Yep. A lot. Animated side. We talked about the animated side of it last week as well. Uh, yeah, we did. Um, I've seen. Um, I've not seen all of it, um, but I've seen kind of episodes here and there. Yeah. Um, I've I've been doing uh, a bit more of it in terms of research. Um, I was having this conversation yesterday. Actually, I was on a. a uh, a YouTube interview on the, on the Star Losers channel, which is quite interesting, <laughs> uh, with a guy in Argentina, um, and we were talking about how uh, what's the kind of threshold of Star Wars geek you need to be to be able to go and make a fan film, uh, and I think I'm probably, you know, I'm I'm of that age, older than pretty much everybody else in the room, I think, um, that um, I remember seeing Jedi. Uh, in the cinema, uh, I, I remember losing my uh, Hoth stormtrooper in the snow in the old days when you used to get snow in winter. Not in um, spring. Yeah. yeah you know, so uh, and then waiting two weeks for it to melt so I could find him. You know stuff like that. So so it goes back a really really long way for me, um, and it's always been a thing. Like I, I get super super excited when the trailers come out um, and then go and see the movies and stuff like that. But I'm I'm you know I couldn't list every. Like I couldn't tell you what happened in Order sixty five or Order sixty seven, but yeah. I know what happened in Order sixty six. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's where I am. You don't know the name of every single droid that's ever been in the Star Wars no. universe ever. No, no, but I'm in there somewhere. I'm in the mix. Yeah. So as we mentioned, uh, Padawan Rising is your Kickstarter project, which is currently live. So if you've not gone and pledged, go and do that now, and then listen to this interview and I'll explain why this is such an amazing project. But this has been something that's been baking and developing for quite a few years. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we've actually been working on this as a project for about three years now. Um, we shot the Kickstarter fan film, um, uh, sorry, the fundraising film in October two thousand sixteen, um, and the, there was a good year or so of work went into that. Um, and the uh, the idea it all began with um, this kind of sequence that we're working on um, uh, which was an, an, an idea I had when I was a teenager when I wanted to make movies about Warhammer 40,000 mm-hmm. um, you know so uh, and it just uh, it, it began in a conversation in a pub with my uh, so I make films for a living I make commercials and stuff so uh, my regular cinematographer uh, we were in a pub having a conversation he'd met a guy who um, used to be involved with UK Garrison the 501st had yep. tons and tons of costumes that he, he bought and made and things like that um, and they were kicking around ideas for this film um, I said well I've, I've always had sort of half an idea for a fan film that I think would work so I kind of uh, pitched it there and then and, and everybody was like dude let's make yours that's, that's, that's way better um, <laughs> and I was like okay that, that must cool. have been a nice feeling yeah. isn't it? <laughs> um, so, so then uh, I was working with a writer uh, so our writer Poz Watson um, is currently a storyliner and script editor on EastEnders I was working with her uh, on um, another feature film. Um, and I pitched it to her. She said yes. She wrote it uh, and, and rewrote it and rewrote it again. We're on draft six now. Uh, we're just tinkering with the last bits, but it's, you know, it's, it's uh, an amazing story. You know, really, really looking forward to sharing it. Um, and I think like, there are tons and tons of uh, fan films out there. Um, but I think if you're going to be 
kind of going out to, to fans and audiences and asking them to to pledge to get rewards and things like that you've got to add something to the universe it's not enough to just get a costume and a lightsaber and run around and stuff like that you've got to uh, you've got to be respectful, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, because um, it's not yours. It belongs to Disney yep. um, as much as it belongs to the rest of us. Um, but you've got to add something new to it. Um, and this is, you know, I think this is something very much that we've done. Yep. So uh, you've assembled a fantastic team around it. As you mentioned, you're right at Apostle. Uh, you've got a brilliant composer. Yeah, haven't we? Just amazing. I mean, I've listened to some of Kevin's work previously with Kevin Rafel. Uh, your VX supervisor, Craig Winsmartin, as well. Uh, you've worked together previously, though. Yeah, yeah, we've done loads of stuff together. Um, and on the VFX side as well, we've had, since we've launched the uh, uh, campaign, we've had, we've had people um, coming in from all, all over the place. We had a guy uh, who's currently in uh, Montreal working on Fantastic Beasts 2. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he just... Uh, emailed us and says this looks amazing uh, can I be involved please um, and we've had about five of those guys you know really really senior um, uh, people with lots of experience of um, CGI and visual effects and uh, things like that just kind of clamoring to get involved because it's Star Wars you know every, everybody wants to be animating TIE fighters and yeah. stuff you know you just you can't not I, I, Keith and I was talking about uh, James Weatherall's concept art earlier in the week and it looks some of the mo- some of the stuff he's drawn for the Kickstarter is absolutely fascinating. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the um, uh, the main one that we've been uh, pitching out quite a lot is is um, uh, so I mean it, uh, to understand what's going in the concept art, you have to understand what's kind of going on in the film and stuff yeah. like that. So the um, basic pitch, really. So we've got this uh, main character called Kano, um, who I'm describing as 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 a gap year Jedi. Um, <laughs> so she's she's basically she's coming to the end of her uh, training, but she's She's a bit of a dick, to be fair. And she's just, she's hugely powerful, uh, a little bit arrogant, a little bit impetuous. And she's been sent off on her own uh, to just do mundane tasks away from everybody else where she can't be irritating and just learn a sense of responsibility. Um, and so, so she ends up... Calendanes of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she's got this droid with her called RKS-1, um, yep. who she finds irritating. So she's uh, removed his legs so he can't... Uh, Walk around and annoy her, um, <laughs> and, and that's so. So he ends up being carried around in a, a, a rucksack. So this is a pit droid which yeah. you would have seen in episode one. Yes, yes, uh, you do. Yeah, the... very briefly. Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, she finds herself on this uh, apparently abandoned planet, um, and while she's there, the first order come and investigate. But there are there are other people on the planet already that she doesn't know about. So why did you choose the modern sequel? period of timing for this well here we go so um a couple of different reasons really one is we had to be because of the nature of the narrative um i'm fanatical about spoilers but i also understand that you have to share more so like i would tell nobody in the world anything about this until it was done if it was down to me but the world doesn't work like that um so uh the the planet that she's on um if you don't want to know what happens in the film go make a cup of tea or something oh, stick um, your fingers in the yeah, ears stick your fingers in your ears but the planet that she's on used to be an imperial garrison 40 years previously mm-hmm. um, and uh, when uh, after the events of Jedi um, uh, and the um, imperial remnant um, disappear yep. off um, into the Ulu uh, there was an imperial legion left on this planet um, and uh, nobody ever came back to get them 
So over the past 40 years or so, they've dwindled down, they've broken their conditioning, and there's only two left. So what's, so those two figures in the concept are, are Imperial Stormtroopers. Um, but 40 years later, so they're old men, they've broken their conditioning. They're like Japanese soldiers at the end of World War II who don't know the war's ended. Um, and so what you end up with um, is, uh, because they've gone native, they've gone a bit survivalist, um, then uh, they're much more free-thinking, uh, broken their conditioning, and they end up teaming up with Kano to get her off the planet. Because although she's, she's found the fight she's looking for, yeah. there's a lot of First Order Stormtroopers. Yeah. So that's, that's a, a very long-winded answer to why it had to be when it was set, yeah. because we found a really good narrative reason to bring the two eras into the same thing. And just the idea of having Imperial um, Troopers up against First Order, it was too... Yep. much fun not to do, frankly. That sounds amazing. And it sounds like you're sticking a lot more closer to the cinematic universe rather than what is now deemed as Legends, which was the yeah. old expanded canon, so or the Jason Solo, that kind of era of Star Wars. Yeah, very much. Well, I'm uh, much more familiar with the, the uh, um, original universe, basically. Um, and, and so just in terms of my own sort of cultural touch points and things like that... Um, uh, and it just made sense, really. And you've got some absolutely fantastic pledges which you can get through Kickstarter. Do you want to explain a few of those? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, um, we've been incredibly lucky thus far. You know, we've raised nearly £10,000. We've got a long way to go, but um, uh, I'm confident that we will get there. Um, and uh, what, what, what most people um, who aren't too familiar with Kickstarter... Uh, uh, what a lot of people don't understand. Lots of people think it's um, an investment or a donation, something like that. It's really not at all. It's 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 a ferociously competitive marketplace. You're buying stuff, mm-hmm. you know. So um, each of our pledges, uh, they go from for eight pounds, you can have a digital download of the film. Um, for fifty pounds, for example, you get a download of the film. You get the script. You get the concept art. But you also get the um, book that we're writing uh, which is just about this entire process uh, you know we've got and you'll have um, that beautiful concept art and yeah so the there'll be lots of concept art in there there'll be um, an explanation of how we went through the visual effects process because we've got some really really ambitious stuff going on there as well um, uh, there'll be a lot in there about how you raise money on um, Kickstarter uh, mm-hmm. which I've, I've, I've this is my first campaign it's somewhat ambitious yeah. um, so it's been a baptism of fire thus far um, I know a couple of people who've done £10,000 for short films um, and like we're there with a long way to go still yep. you know so um, and uh, you can you can get um, uh, so if you're interested in filmmaking and things like that there's mentoring and stuff available uh, there's props we're making two of the RKS1 um, pit droids you can have one of those if you want mm-hmm. um, the one that I keep trying to not press buy button <laughs> is the amazing 500 quid pledge where you get an entire set of Stormtrooper armor yes yeah so that's uh, we've, we've had three of those go um, where we're having to um, and that's a fantastic deal as well because these sets of armor are yeah. usually a little bit more expensive than that cost they are. Um, the uh, we've worked with. Um, uh, obviously, we can't have formal support of UK Garrison and yeah. the five hundred first. But uh, we had uh, individuals um, involved, uh, obviously for the 
Kickstarter uh, fundraising film um, and having the guys turn up in the Anavos suits um, and just when they first walk onto set, it's just <laughs> spine tingling. It really is. You know, I just being a kid again, basically, despite the fact I'm over 40. Um, you know, so, but it's, um, but one of the interesting things about those is, is uh, so I was having this conversation with the guys and the, the, the concepts behind that film um, was uh, we were trying to make it a bit more military um, and that's because I have this thing where uh, like you know they say about the Imperial um, Stormtroopers like uh, they're not very good soldiers yeah. um, you know in terms of firing weapons and things like that those yes. guys wouldn't hit water if they fell out of the boat <laughs> um, you know so um, and there was an explicit effort made to make the First Order uh, more military more fearsome uh, but I think the one of the things that you get from the universe is that you you only really fear the first order because of things like Starkiller Base. Whereas I think you you know you don't get the kind of impression that they're particularly fearsome and all that kind of thing. I I yeah. really want to make the first order scary as individuals as battle hardened shock infantry. I've got an army background, you know, so I've been to Bosnia, Kosovo, Afghanistan, stuff like that. I know how soldiers move, how they operate, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I want to get that. You can't do that in the Anavos suits because you can't sit down. Uh, you can't see a lot. You can't run. So we've had to get some armor that we're going to modify. So we've got eight stunt suits, hopefully. Um, they'll get a bit used in the film, but we'll, yeah. make eight, uh, we'll make four good suits out of those eight ones, and there's one left on the Kickstarter that looks like it would fit you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might, might need some padding removed. <laughs> so sure. just, just in case you're yeah. interested. Yeah, but that was the thing as well with Star Wars, is people seem to forget that the Stormtroopers are supposed to be the elite part of yeah. the Star Wars army. And you don't get that from yeah. the films particularly, you know, but yeah. that's only because all, all, all of the um, heroes and stuff are so badass, you know, just yeah. in comparison. Whereas we, you know, I really want to make them fearsome. Yeah. And I mean, looking at some of the higher end of the project, you said the £750 of awards, co producer credit plus yep. tickets to the screening. Brilliant way to get yourself onto IMDb if you want to. Yes, to exactly. If you want that. to. And the 5000 package of the EP producer role, which is. Yeah pretty much great one but you can find all the information at kickstarter.com forward slash project so if you drop in Padawan Rising or if you go on the projects we love page because yeah. we were we were labelled this morning as a, a project we love by uh, Kickstarter Ooh, fantastic. fantastic so um, yeah. one of the other things that we're offering as well one of the uh, perks that I think is really good that I haven't seen anywhere else um, one of the things that I've learned in more than 10 years of making films is it's an incredibly collaborative process. One of the great things you get uh, from being a director is you get to take credit for everybody else's ideas, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, so we, when we have a first draft of the film, there are um, perks available where you can be part of the test audience for that. So we'll get your notes and your feedback um, and we'll learn what works and isn't working, stuff like that. And there's the same for a, a later draft as well you know so you do actually get to be involved in the creative process yeah, exactly and if you come up with a really good idea i will totally steal it <laughs> and, and and if people don't understand the way kickstarter works so you, this is what's classed as an all or not pro nothing project yeah yeah so we we have to raise every penny um, mm -hmm. or we don't see any of it so yeah um, and if you know it's getting to the end of the month as well mm -hmm. um and so if you can turn them up payday and things like that nothing yeah. comes out of your account until the third of april 
Yep. So, uh, yep. So, as I said, uh, closes at two p.m. Um, sorry, seven p.m. British summer time on the third of April, twenty eighteen, yes, and the gold is twenty eight thousand one hundred and twenty seven pounds. pounds. And we've raised, I think, nine thousand. Uh, I think I've had a few more pledges while I've been sat here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're about nine thousand nine hundred thirty eight pounds. Is cool. Well, that means we checked. need probably seven hundred and thirty or so brummies to pledge twenty five pounds each. Yeah. Which is not a massive ask. I mean, this is a brilliant project to fund. If you are a fan yeah. of Star Wars, this is a great way to get involved in the universe. If you if you like sci-fi, if you like Star Wars, if you mm-hmm. like films, if you know other people that do, send them the link on Facebook, tag them in. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we've done the book, it will be yeah. coming up to kind of November, December sort of time. Perfect mm-hmm. Christmas present material, I yep. think. You know, so if Star Wars fan in your family, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we can find your information on Facebook as well, Padawan Rising, Twitter at Padawan Rising. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us today, Lee. How can we help you, gentlemen and lady? Welcome to Birmingham, guys. I almost said two ladies, and then I saw you. the hair. I commend you. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry about it. I've been there before, too. Interesting qualifier. I give you 17. My, my least favorite, I had straight, long, blonde hair, and I'm at a, uh, walking into a club, trying to get into a club in Louisiana, and the guy goes, I'm sorry, man, I can't let you in. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Come on in, dude. I was like, you guys recognize me as like I love Hanson. <laughs> I cut my hair immediately the next day. I was like, <laughs> you had the hair when I met you. I kept calling it was, it was Jane Lynch. It was, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> like, no, it was it was something worse. It's like a Jane Lynch's stand-in. How can we help? What, what do you guys want to know? Yeah. Well, what can we tell you? Well, basically, at big comic cons like this, you guys have done so many franchises like Last of Us, Uncharted, Assassin's Creed, Burger King, McDonald's. Of course, there's the big ones. Which fan base is the most passionate at these things what are you mobbed by which fans man the most passionate <laughs> he was just or almost crazy. attacked by last <laughs> of us fans <laughs> cosplayers it felt like I actually had like clickers behind me but they were <laughs> I, man I don't know It's I think everybody who who has the volition to pick up a controller and actually spend 30-40 hours or more playing a game is a pretty passionate fan even more so than like film or, or sometimes even TV I think it's it's varied I mean we've definitely had success with Uncharted that, that is something that has it changed the game yeah for me the, the, the answer is Uncharted I mean, for sure that, yeah I mean there's more uh, you know men women I met grandparents just like Sully the whole family comes in <laughs> Sully the, uh, you know it's 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 you know it's something that's gone on for over a decade so that's and I've done nothing else <laughs> <laughs> that's why that usually Qualifies it as the top one. <laughs> so. so, is game VA work very different to when you're doing advertising or audio books or audio descriptors? For sure. Yeah. I think it can it can depend on uh, you know a lot of games now doing uh, performance capture. Yeah. Like Uncharted did, Last of Us. A lot of times with uh, games, if it's not a performance capture game, you're alone when you when you're putting like uh, with Destiny. I've had one session where I got to work. Uh, with uh, one of the other actors on that. That was just a, a random session, and it was just scheduling more than anything. It wasn't for anything other than the fact that the only time they could be there was that day, and, and, and that was my time as well. So, but animation is sometimes could be a um, group ensemble, yeah. or you could be by yourself. Yeah. So that, that's the that's for, for me. It's always been the biggest thing. It's just that sometimes it's a lonelier job, unless it's performance capture, which is just like shooting television or film. Yeah. Only the wardrobe's slightly different. Yeah, <laughs> it's slightly different. But you wear that anyway. I do. It does I think it complements my figure. <laughs> you make it look good. <laughs> what else? You guys touched on performance capture yeah. as being a growing part of the 
came from people like Andy Serkis who moved from film into doing computing. Who's this now? No, no, no. <laughs> it's <from a> British <laughs> guy. Haven't done much. Um, have you guys ever thought about taking your performance capture experience into movies? Could we have seen you in the Planet of the Apes films at any point? You could have. You could have. You but they could didn't have, cast but us. They didn't cast us. <laughs> um, it was funny. A buddy of mine was in the last one, and um, I was like, have fun wearing the suit. And he was like, I have questions. Um, because we it's something that, that comes very, uh, it's kind of second nature to us now. Like, everybody gets hazed, and, and there's no one game that has done it one certain way. Like, yeah. everybody has their own way of doing it. But there's some basic fundamentals about it. But it's the thing I love about performance capture is, is number one, like you said, we get a chance to actually work with other people as opposed to just being in such a vacuum. But it's, it, it really forces you as an actor to strip away everything that normally helps to inform you about the role. Like, I had a buddy that was on a film, and he's like, I don't feel like the character, but then I'm in the hair and makeup, and they give me the scar, and they put on the wig, and then I go and I get my wardrobe on, I have my sword, and it's like, then I feel like the character. And I go, let me tell you what it looks like when we go through all of that. And it's, you know, someone's putting, you know, 64 dots on your face, and you've got a camera and a helmet that's a, you know, that has a camera right here, and you're wearing a... a Leotard, you know, with with little ping pong balls on it, and you and the other person that you're talking that you're in the scene with is wearing the exact same thing, and you have to have all of that disappear because you're doing this incredibly intense. As games have, the writing has evolved as, as the uh, the caliber of the kind of cinematic performance feel they're, they're trying to go for has evolved. You're doing a really, especially in the case of like The Last of Us, you're doing a very intense dramatic scene. And all of that has to go away. And so a lot of times people that come in from TV or film in a traditional sense come in and they lock up and, and they're trying to get over that hurdle of what normally has helped set them up for success is actually now a hindrance. But the long and short of it is this. It's it's always fun to watch someone who hasn't <clears throat> done this before and you, you see that light bulb moment for them like we've all had. It's like, this is what we did when we were kids. This is playing pretend. This is my gun. And, and this is... You know, me playing in a sandbox, just on a much, much cooler scale. Yeah, and ultimately it comes down to that connection you have with the other actor. You know, it's it's all you know, it's a relationship that you. So I remember Gordon Hunt, who directed the first three Uncharted, would always talk about being very specific with that person you're talking to, mm-hmm. same way as you would in, in uh, on camera situation. So it, it's uh, building the character, like some actors like to do. Alec Guinness was famous for building character from the outside in. You know, if he was a king, he would wear, the, you know, he didn't feel it to that cloak. So, but like you said, without that cloak, how do you do it? Alec Guinness, I'm sure he would have figured it out. <laughs> but ultimately it comes down to that, you know, just playing with that relationship and really finding the specifics. So, um, and Gordon Hunt used to really push that a lot. He said, you know, be specific when you're in your things. Don't know extraneous movement because especially in a digital space, it becomes a little more exaggerated. I actually I like it a lot. Like I've always, you know, people say, "Well, there's nothing here." I said, "Or everything." Or oh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about everything. You guys have done such an astonishing <clears throat> range of different characters. Looking at your IMDb pages, I'm curious. Apart from the most iconic ones, what have been the most weird and the most fun to do from these, like you know, little kind of voice parts and weird things that pop up? <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot. Uh, <laughs> Sigmund from Ratchet and Clank was kind of fun, just because you know it's so silly to be a, you know do a voice that I used to do for my you know, nieces and nephews when they were little. Uh, oh, there's so many. There's, I love being surprised, like when I like watching Rick and Morty, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the episode, and then I hear his voice. stupid voice. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. it's so much fun. That was Pluto. Feel that? <laughs> just got a little just, smaller. I was scrooping noopers. Scrooping noopers. Just got a little smaller. It's yeah. it's stuff like that, and if we're playing a game or we're watching, like I, Fred Tattashore is here, and the last three seasons of Family Guy, I've, I've heard yeah. Fred in every episode. And especially when it's a friend, you get really excited and you feel like you're celebrating with them. It's like watching somebody run a you know, 50-yard uh, touch in the wrong place to make that joke. <laughs> um, it's like the football, eh? it's, it's It's those kind of things that I love. But Keep going. No, no, no. That's as far as I can take that metaphor. Um, to me, some of those really smaller, obscure roles are the ones that kind of... Every every one of those small roles has, has somehow advanced you further. A buddy of mine, Glenn Morshower, said it's, it's all about singles and doubles. It's about another baseball metaphor. Damn. I never make sports metaphors, but it's 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 not about every time hitting it out of the park. It's about you know oh. getting it on. <laughs> I was containing within the metaphor. You meant cricket. Yes. <laughs> Nobody understands. This, this is my even life. Brits don't even friend. understand. Like he's like this when we're cricket. having lunch. <laughs> <laughs> metaphor, metaphor, metaphor. Joke. <laughs> what we and here it comes. <laughs> what else? There it went. <laughs> <laughs> I kill me. Talking about hitting out of the park, obviously, yeah. um, The Last of Us was one of those rare projects that really exploded and became a huge part of yeah. um, the, the landscape of video gaming. I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about how exciting it is to get to continue that with The Last of Us Part Two and, and the pressure yeah. that comes with building off such a big hit? There's a lot of that. I mean, we felt that pressure, I'll never forget, the first time that Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann uh, walked Ashley and I through, we, we drove to the Culver stages and, and we... We saw where we were going to shoot this thing, and, and they took us through the exact same pitch that they took Sony through to get the game greenlit. And about an hour later, they finished. And we were like, why don't we just take a break? And we walked outside, and um, I looked at Ashley, and I was like, do you realize if this thing fails, it's because of us? Because, I mean, they've got the pedigree. They've got the idea. It's all on us, too. And as you two and a half years of shooting, you realize, no, you've got a really good team of people that, that's going to make sure that you don't fail. They are your net to, to keep you. Um, and the thing that I love about games specifically, and, and that game is a great example of it, is that it's not just one person that character rests on. It's the animator. It's the modeler. It's the shader. It's the coder. It's the, I mean, it's so many people that go into making a character in a game and making that game. But for The Last of Us specifically coming back to it and and you start asking yourself a lot of questions you're like do do I have what it takes to do this again will people love it and the beauty of being under the auspices of Naughty Dog and Neil Druckmann is that that question is irrelevant because we're not doing this so that people like it we're doing this because it's honest we're doing this because we believe we have a story to tell and the second that we start trying to make something that we think you'll like that's when we'll fail Neil writes honestly he asks us to perform honestly Ultimately, all we want to do is make a game that we want to play. So if we can do that, then I think everyone's going to be happy with it. But so far, it's it's a fantastic story, man. It's a fantastic game. We just finished a play test. It's looking awesome. I can't wait for it to be on the shelves. I know you can't talk about specifics, but sure. just general as an overall experience. I think sometimes when you have a big hit with something, there's mm. a, an expectation that you know the sequel is going to be just exactly the same again. Mm. Do you feel that this is going to be a different experience for fans? Overall? For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone dies. <laughs> uh, you die actually when you play. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis is <laughs> dead the whole time. <laughs> 
Do you know when we when we did the trailer, uh, that trailer that <laughs> we released at PSX two years ago? The second that we stepped foot back on set, it was just heavy, and I think that's because where we left off. It, it's not a bright, cheery game, and this this is no different. It's 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 heavy on set. People are like, "Was it so much fun to do the last?" Was like, "No, it's not fun." You there's there's a burden on your back, and you feel good about what you've done. I don't know. You, you blew me off with the Bruce Willis. <laughs> though. I'm thinking about that joke. We're just begging for the next question. Yes, please. Um, so if there's any franchise, not that there's very many left, that I've been working at some point, what franchise would you love to get involved with? I've always liked to uh, said Red Dead Redemption. I oh man, I think that'd be really. Fun. I, I always loved that the whole Western, Western. cowboy movies. You know, Sergio Leone, the spaghetti westerns. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, have you ever done a western? No, man, no. I mean, I, you know, I would do the worst for western. Bringing that up, yeah, it's a little <laughs> salt wound. Yeah, um, yeah I, I would be the same way. I mean, that it's one of the greatest moments in gaming for me was crossing over from Texas into Mexico, and that um, Juan Gonzalez says, yeah. "Yeah, it's just Jose Gonzalez." Sorry, uh, plays. That's one of my favorite, and, and I knew that gaming had changed when that moment happened because I'm on the stick, and this cinematic movie moment is playing out. Um, I was like, I want to do that. I want to. I want to be in this game. So, Hauser so Brothers, if you're watching this, though, it's not too late. Yeah, um, we, we we work together we, we a do, lot. We're yeah. really good Western. I'm from Texas, so you can just put me in there. I was named after Nolan Ryan, who's from Texas. <laughs> my 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 agents. If you want to read, can we just give that information out? Yeah. This gentleman's uh, had a question yes. for twenty oh, minutes. You no, know, he just needs to go to the bathroom. Um, so, so can you please. So obviously you've been in a lot of roles throughout the years you've been is there any roles that you thought as really challenging in terms of your vocal range and training? What stretched you the most? I'm not gonna not gonna not gonna bite on that. Oh one. no. <laughs> are you are I'm you gonna, gonna go I'm, the route I'm, that I'm, think you could? No, I think uh <laughs> No no I think I think the is uh, it a character from the thirties? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, I think uh it's it's. I'm going to answer this question, but I'm completely responsible for it. Whatever voice you audition with, oh, yeah. you know you. They go, yeah, you get the job because of that. And I auditioned. There was one that I did for a, a cartoon for Nickelodeon uh, called Breadwinners, and I was uh, <laughs> I was a Viking beaver, uh, <laughs> Unski. And Unski talked like this, and everyone it's just but. 26 episodes <clears throat> later. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, they were 11 minutes, so it was 52 episodes. And then they got a second season, so it's like 104 episodes. And he wasn't in all of them, but in a lot of them. But he also sang, like, uh, that, what's that band, Gore? Yeah. So he had to, and, <laughs> and then they you do it, and, oh, man, I nailed it. And then they go, that's great. Could you try it? Could we, let's do it again, just a little louder, a little more. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, it's literally just one of those voices I will never audition with again because, uh, it, yeah, it just was, you know, you, you walk out like, thanks so much. It's just gone. So, it's, it, but again, it's my, my, if I can't sustain it, I shouldn't audition with it. So. I won't use that one. Anymore. Yeah, never audition for a role you can't sustain. Yeah. Joker for me was was the one, and it makes me look at what I mean. I, I already people know this. Greatly respected Mark Hamill for what he did because he is the Joker to me. But I watch him and I see how effortless it just flows out of him. I'm like, man, that's just not fair. <laughs> it's, it's really not fair because every session, if I could complete a four hour session, which typically I could not, I was 
covered in sweat and just I was I was exhausted. And typically, uh, Amanda Wyatt, who was our, our our booth director, would be like, "I'm going to go ahead and call it because we're starting to get diminishing returns." I'm like, "Yeah," because it's just such a it's it's the manicness and it's and you start the way that Mark never makes it sound like he's falling into a rhythm, but that he's always chaotic. To me, is far cooler than what he does as a vocal quality, and that's infinitely cool. But that that's the one where I I, I got the gig and I turned it down twice because I was petrified, and it finally was the you president. A lot of fear issues. A lot of fear, especially with that. That helped me get over it, though. It really did. Yeah, with, with the Last of Us, you were saying it's like I oh, almost walked if out. If this fails, it's our fault. I'm like, whoa! No, 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 no. I almost walked like literally for the audition. I was standing up from my seat to leave because I was like, I I'm looking around the room. And I see that guy's going to get it, that guy's going to get it, that guy's going to get it. And I literally almost stood up to leave. And they went, Troy? I went, yep, come here. <laughs> I, I came this close to walking out of that audition. Moral of the story is don't ever let fear be the reason why you don't do something. See, we learned something. Didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking in relevance to the fear you felt, picking up the mantle of the Joker from Mark Hamill, yeah. there's recently been news about The Last of Us film adaptation as well as an Uncharted film adaptation. Mm. And with relevance to Mark Hamill and you feeling pressure in taking up that mantle, how would you feel if those films came to fruition and you saw someone else playing the role of Nathan Drake or the role of Joel in The Last of Us? And do you think it's even possible or worth doing? I suppose there's a lot of questions in that. I do apologize. We can submit that, Martin Lewis. If they were to make The Last of Us movie... I hope that it's good. I just hope that whoever plays Joel, whoever plays Ellie, whoever plays those characters, doesn't want to try to do what's already in the game because that's already been done. It's accepting the fact that it has been successfully produced and released and, and out there as an art form. I want to learn something new about the character. I want them to show me something that I never knew about that character. It's, it's what may has make Shakespeare great is because everyone's interpretation of Richard III is completely different King Lear is completely different. I want to learn something. When Martin Freeman did Richard, it was completely different than anybody else. I was like, that's an incredibly cool take on that character. You don't have to like it, but it's something new. So if they do that, I just want to walk away going, I never knew that about Joel. I never knew that about Ellie. With Uncharted, I think it's it's just, it's how movies are made with you know movie stars. And it's not, could I do it? Yes, but at this point, I'm also getting older. I joke about it that, you know, by the time this is made, I could play Sully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Would you do Sully if offered? Sure. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, but the thing is, it's like, I, as far as I'm concerned, I've made four movies. Uh, you know, I really, I mean, the way I look at it, and, and, and as an actor, is it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually looking for the next thing. I want to, what's, what's next, what's fun? I've played that I know I've done that role for so long and it's kind of uh, I mean I, I would do another one but it's kind of like Harrison Ford he has nothing to prove as Indiana Jones right. but they throw a truck of money at him and we get the crystal skull he, he's gonna get <laughs> yeah, or whatever it could be but the, you know it's um, it's, a, it's a great answer to you know just see what someone else's take I know the last talk was Tom Holland as a, as a younger Nathan Drake if you're going to do it I would definitely do somebody younger so that if, if it does become successful, it can sustain a series of films. It just would be, you know, nobody wants to watch me run around like that. Uh, I don't, especially me. Uh, so I still think it's a better idea to take movies and turn them into games Hell yeah. than do it the other way. I don't know why Hollywood's gotten this. Annihilation. I, I've said I've said uh, for a long time that the girl with the dragon tattoo I think would be a phenomenal game. Thank you. You'd have a you'd have a great female lead character, strong and and just uh, 
and I will work on my my accent and play Michael Blunquist because that I could do because he's of that age. I will say this too: one of the last little closing thing. The BAFTA nominations were announced this week, uh, BAFTA game nominations, and I'm incredibly impressed and, and glad that BAFTA was leading the way in the fact that all of their nominations were either a female lead or a person of color. I think that's incredible. I think that it shows it's not someone motivating a political agenda, but it's it's responsive to what's happening in games right now. For that very reason, the fact that we have Shadow of Tomb Raider coming out, that's a strong female lead. We've got The Last Uncharted was two strong female leads. We have What Remains of Edith Finch. Okay. You've got, I mean, all, yeah, him. I'm thinking so Drake to a certain extent. I'm excited to see what's happening in games because what it shows is that it doesn't have to be a, a, a square-jawed guy with a gun, and that, that opens up opportunities for us as characters to, to really explore with the role of not the protagonist, but maybe the villain or whatever else it looks like, so... I lost my last BAFTA nomination, so I'm not being so kind to them. That's it. Let's end it on that face. That's a great... End it on that face. Thank you, guys. I've got the sad music from the end of The Incredible Hulk. I'm going hitchhiking. Thank you, mate. Thanks, guys. Wes Anderson movies. Lee is not a fan as we established prior to the show launching. But, Guy, is your favourite director, I'd say? Yes. So, we've got Isle of Dogs. <laughs> we did one more there. <laughs> yes, would have been useful. So we've got Isle of Dogs, which is due for release next week, which is his second properly animated film. The first one was um, Fantastic Mr Fox, and there was animated segments in Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou and Grand Budapest Hotel. But you really liked the trailer guy. I do, but I'm expecting to be disappointed by it because he hasn't really made a good film, in my opinion, since the Dodging Limited. He's now, I think he's becoming a parody of Wes Anderson. So, he, as much as I love him, he's like trying to be too twee. Like, he got to a point where he was just naturally twee, but now he's like, well, I need to recreate that twee. So, I don't think. I think he's become a parody of what he was. They're not as unique as they were. Mm-hmm. Moonrise Kingdom did look like a, a spoof of a Wes Anderson film as opposed to a Wes Anderson film. Keith, you're shaking your head in disgust at this. Mostly because I just disagree with Guy in terms of him becoming a parody himself. I think it's what we, we, we think is a parody just because we've become accustomed to that stylistic look and it's mostly associated with him. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Isle of Dogs because I really dug Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I think it's one of it, well, p- p- my favourite film of, of his. Uh, well, that was quite of, a uh, that was quite of a risky film for him to take on because he chose a not very well known Polish studio to do most of the animation. It's a Roald Dahl classic book, and I think a lot of people were scared when they heard he was attached to it that he was going to put it into full quirkiness. Well, I, I like it when like proper well not. Not that he's not not everybody else who makes animated films is a proper director, but bringing a stop motion and animation to a bigger audience instead of the people who just go, oh, we'll go and see Peter Rabbit because it's for kids. Because um, he makes good films and he, he still shoots them and, and styles them in exactly the same way as he does his live action stuff. So the animation is done in the same way as his live action films. It's just animated. But Isle of Dogs looks pretty cool. It's about dogs. Everybody loves dogs. <laughs> you know, if you've got Prosecco and dogs, you've made it. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, but it looks good. I like it. 
Lee, you're not a fan of Wes Anderson's oeuvre, I'd say. Yeah, that's generally true. Uh, I um, uh, really enjoyed Grand Budapest Hotel, um, mostly. Um, I quite like the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, the rest of it I just find to be self-indulgent. Twaddle. <laughs> basically. Uh, yeah, it's just... Um, it, it just creates after a while, you know. So um, it, 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 none of it is. It, it, it like it has its own inherent set of rules all the way through. You know, it's like it, it, you can spot a Wes Anderson film really easily, but that in and of itself doesn't really have any value for me. Um, so I just get bored. I think animation is where Wes Anderson would succeed more, though, because as mentioned, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I really enjoy that film. He always gets an amazing voice cast into his stuff and I think his weird rules and the way he stages environments works much better in an animated film because that's where you kind of expect it a little bit more so I mentioned Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou the animated sequences felt completely out of character in that film but if that had just been a short of that kind of styled animation I would have preferred that I think you see, I I haven't seen Fantastic Mr Fox so I, I, I can't comment too much I have seen the Life Aquatic but one thing for me is like, I like to like characters in films. I like to have people to root for, and just being interesting and quirky isn't enough for me. Most of his characters are dicks. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that, it, it, Yeah, it goes for the anti-hero, but the anti-hero where you have no empathy for him. Yeah. I think that was pretty much it. With the Royal Tenenbaums, there was not one likeable character in that film. I mean, no, they, they are, but they're just weird. How many hours can you spend watching Jason Schwartzman fail to emote? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he's, he has picked up a fantastic voice cast for the Isle of Dogs. So we've got F. Murray Abraham, who is fantastic in everything he ever does. Brian Cranston, who's still riding off the coattails of Breaking Bad, and he will be for the rest of his career. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, who's awesome. Scarlett Johansson, oh. Harvey Keitel, Francis McDormand, Bill Murray... Kuchino Nomura, Ed Norton, Yoko Ono is going to be popping up in it, unfortunately. Liv Schreiber. Unfortunately. <laughs> Fisher Stevens, Tilda Swinton. So he's picked a really good cast here. Well, and there's the, the, Wes, the standard Wes Anderson stable of actors in, yeah. in that mix as well. Yeah, I mean, the only one he hasn't got is Bill Murray, so that's why he's swapped no, out with yeah, Bill Murray's in it. Is he's it? one of the main five dogs. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> I must have skipped over. I think he plays boss. Yeah, because I skipped over because thinking F. Murray Abraham. So Angelica Houston's not in this, and that's about it. That's the only yeah. thing that he's missing from, oh, from no, the no, no. run. I think she is, but not listed. Yeah, uh, she might be cameoing. I mean, the animation style—it's quirky. It's everything Wes Anderson's meant to be, and I don't know. I read. I mean, the poster looks cool. Just <laughs> as an aside, uh, Angelica Houston is currently filming um, in the Pyrenees with uh, a film set up by two West Midlands-based producers. Ooh, what film is it? Uh, can we give me five seconds so I Google who <laughs> <laughs> the, the motion poster of all the dogs sneezing is pretty yes. cool. I do like that. But I kind of like that. I kind of like that quirky, kind of slightly sardonic sense that Wes Anderson films have. That kind of like you know, often the characters all feel a bit beaten down and ordinary, and kind of like you know, they're just struggling through life. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to quickly run through the plot of the film if you've not seen any of the trailers or anything about. Isle of Dogs, which is basically an executive. Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. 
Oh, I just got it. Yes. Oh, I love dogs. Yes. Oh, yes. oh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of punny titles, actually. Yes. Me... I like the title even more now. I love puns. And it's also a film from Cockney Gangster Movie from about 10 years ago as well, which is set in the Isle of Dogs in London, which was <laughs> oh, really yeah, confusing. Yeah, Isle of Dogs is a case. Yeah, yes. Then, yeah. But basically, when by executive decree, all the canine pets of Mega City. Megasaki City are exiled to a vast garbage dump called Trash Island. Twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old Atari sets off alone in his miniature junior turboprop plane, flies across the river in search of his bodyguard dog Spots. There, with the assistance of a pack of newly found mongrel friends, he begins an epic journey that will decide the fate and future of the entire prefecture. So it's um, what was that Disney film about the dog and the cat? The Voyage Home. Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. That's it's basically Homeward Bound, but stop no animated. With a kid. Yeah. It just—it's—it's it's about five dogs. Yeah, and they—are they reuniting to? This no. isn't going to work, is it? Because that's a different segment that we did earlier. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> 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 Encouragement for you to all go to the, the podcast to, to, to hear about it, to get that joke. Yes. A bunch of five dogs who gather together to take down a Colombian drug lord. <laughs> yeah. I would see that movie. <laughs> Someone please make that movie. But I like it. It it's mixed to, in the audience. It needs to be a return to form for me because yes. I'm losing faith in it. It will be. It'll be dull. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to start singing in a barbershop barber trio around this microphone. We're like three degrees. Baby on board. I'm not singing. What's the... Stop! In the name of love. Shall we wait for the train to go? Before you break my heart, I think it'll over. Thank you. available for bar mitzvahs and weddings. <sighs> That's why I don't usually bring. I'm going to stop bringing in sweets because you three can't handle sugar. That's why it is. I wasn't singing. Don't tarnish me with that brush. Guys, wait. He's our Diana Ross. You see, he's going to do his own bit in a bit. She has got an attitude, doesn't she, on the Diana? Oh, 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 yeah, oh yeah. Thank you for joining us on the Geeky Rummy Podcast this week, Lee. Where can we find you online? So we are on Kickstarter. Uh, you can find us in the Projects We Love section. We got nominated this morning. Uh, we're also on PadawanRising.com and StarWarsBrum.com. And we can find you on your personal Twitter at? Uh, at Lee Kemp is me. There's also at Lee Kemp on Instagram. I'm an early adopter. Mm-hmm. Um, and at PadawanRising on Twitter. Brilliant, thank you. Phil, where can we find you tweeting your opinions? You can find me blocking Nazis at Philip <laughs> underscore Ellis. So that's Philip with one L and Ellis with two. Look for the man with the ginger beard, the blue tick, and uh, the strong opinion. All, and all of the trolls in his mentions. <laughs> Guy, where can we find you? Uh, lurking at the disagree. Yeah, lurking at the disagree. <laughs> uh, pushing tables over for Fanny. Um, at HMV when he should be working. Yeah, at H- when I should be working. I get paid for this gig. <laughs> I'm looking at Miles da- David records on HMV. <laughs> what is that about? What fool put Miles David down in the jazz section? Maybe it's this hot jazz person that we've never seen. Also, as well, why has Martin Freeman released a jazz compilation? Because What's this about? It's because he saw Alexandra Armstrong and he wants to get in on that money. But he's not even saying he's compiled a jazz composition. What does Martin Freeman about just... Does he do the chimp in the office space when he hears a good tune? I, I feel like white men composing um, jazz anthologies is a hate crime of some sort. <laughs> it's a far fall from The Hobbit. Coming soon, <laughs> Geeky Brummy presents jazz. What? Well, right, it's the saxophone, so that ain't gonna happen. Um, I think he does a jazz show, which is still a weird concept to me. And also, why would you choose to listen to Martin Freeman on the radio? Did he go shopping at Hollister then? 
That's not a good look, is it? What's with the glasses? He's borrowed Brian's glasses for the day. I mean, I mean, as, Callan, uh, as, a, as a millennial, look, I'd wear that outfit. Callan, Callan thinks it's one of those get that look outfits. Shop <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where can you find this? A gap for half the price. That cover. There's some. He's Martin Freeman standing there with his hands in his pockets, jiggling his um, things. Keys. <laughs> Come on, lad, get it off. <laughs> and then there's another bloke sat there, like checking him out. I mean, he's got some impressive turnips. I mean, they're not exactly Joe Wharton turnips, but you know, it's not a bad set of turnips. And anyway. Keith, where can we find you online? Online. Uh, Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> so if you want to find anything out about me, just ask Cambridge Analytica. Uh, <laughs> all, the, all the true things that I've put up on Facebook. Um, on Instagram, Hard Luck... On, uh, no, which one's that one? Hard yeah, Luck in the Star Hotel on Twitter. Yes, Hard Luck Hotel on Instagram. Go and check out. I've got some pictures from Coventry coming up over the next few Oh, days, that's going to be dull, isn't it? Because it's Coventry. It's not. Coventry's alright. I, I want some pictures of Nuneaton to boot. I want to go home. I'm going to Nuneaton next month. I want some pictures of Nuneaton. He'll never wipe from his mind. This is the longest outro we've ever done. I, I want Coventry. to go home. It was quite nice. I walked around Coventry. I was quite impressed by it. Please. Compared to going home. Some Please. I want to go uh, home. Yeah. <laughs> Coventry's nice, though. Stick an underscore in between a couple of the other letters to find me on Twitter. You know how it all works. Guy, you can find you at Vinyl Guy H on Instagram and Guy underscore Halford on Twitter. And mixcloud.com slash Curiosity Crate. Episode 6 is out now. Callan, do you remember your Twitter profile this week? <laughs> is it? Center. You can find Callan at D A Y N E S Radio. Yes, I'm then on Instagram. Presented Saturday Night Takeaway tonight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, D A Y N E S underscore radio on Instagram. And you can find me. Being replaced with your doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on in Twittles at Ryan Parrish. Twittles. Twittles. At Ryan Parrish. And you can find the food blog at Robbie Gorman. I will be starting to write again soon. That's it's been a bit of a break. It's good because I've moved to the sea now, so I want to be a plus one. <laughs> you are never being my babe. plus one. <laughs> That's happening. I'm sorry, not while I'm here. <laughs> do, I not get to be a pl- do I not get a Satanist? Like seriously. Food. You'll have to go with. You go, we'll go with Callan to check out the uh, kids' menus. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget you find Geeky Brummy online at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at geekybrummy.com, where we put loads of great content out, go and read, and on YouTube at Geeky Brummy as well, and MCM videos coming soon. So if you enjoy the Troy Baker and Nolan North interview from today, you can see them in real time on your screen via the magic of YouTube soon. See their beautiful, beautiful faces. Yes. What if the streaming connection's not very good? Well, they Then can they download. can see their pixelated faces. Yes. Thank you again to Lee for joining us for Padawan Rising. Don't forget to drop a pledge on the Kickstarter and we'll pop a link in the description for the show so you can click and go straight there. And that's pretty much it. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Get home safely, Callum. Like, subscribe and share. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you'd like to join our listener supporters, please join us at patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio.